I don't know about you, but I always uh, ask God to break in when we come together, don't you? I don't want what's just normal. We're the people of faith, aren't we? We're God's people. We're people who carry the Spirit of God in our lives. That's, that's, and so we have to function in a different place. We have to look for different things. We have to open our eyes and say, okay, Lord, by faith, what is it you want to say? What is it you want to do? What is it you want to accomplish and purpose in my life today? And so I just, uh, just love it when the prophetic starts to flow, and I love it when testimonies start to speak. And uh, I was listening to Patrick's, uh, you, know, you know, coming through his teenage years, and, you know, sounds very like my own life. <laughs> Reading the Greek just like that, you know, no problem. Yeah, I, I went to Bible college and I did the gardens. Do you know what I mean? It was like that, was it? But I want to share this morning just from the parables. You know, we've been having this series on kingdom. And I, I just really felt that was a moment we needed just right then. Because I think God is calling people to, um, to really live with faith. To really believe God for something more. You know, some of you are in the place today and God's challenging you just to kind of stir up some of that thing that's in with you and start to say, come on. I've got a purpose for your life that's deeper than this. That, and maybe, you know, God likes to stir it up a bit. You know, he's not just going to allow us to just uh, hold back all the time. He, he comes and challenges us. And so I want to talk this morning just from Matthew um, chapter 20, uh, 21. I, I thought it was a great thing that Patrick said about Matthew as well, didn't you? I just, just thought it was a beautiful thing. That made me laugh. If I said that, he would kill me, do you know what I mean? That's amazing what other people can say. Hallelujah. We're in Matthew chapter 21, and I'm going to read three parables. We're going to try and do three. I'm a bit against the clock this morning, but um, that's okay. Um, I only want to say one thing about each of them anyway, so it shouldn't take too long. Um, and uh, it's the Lord's way of thinning it out a bit. Um, the parable of the two sons, verse 28. What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. Sound familiar? (laughs) But later, he changed his mind and went. And the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir, but he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first they answered. Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to show you the way of righteousness and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who, do, who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. And when the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. The tenants seized his servants, and they beat one, killed another, and stoned a third. Then he sent other servants to them more than the first time, and the tenants treated them the same way. Last of all, he sent his son. They will respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, this is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? He will bring those wretches to a wretched end, they replied, and he will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at harvest time. Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? The Lord has done this, and it's marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. Anyone who falls in the stone will be broken to pieces, and anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. And when the chief priests and the Pharisees heard Jesus, they knew he was talking about them, and they looked for a way to arrest him. But they were afraid 
of the crowd because the people held he was a prophet. And Jesus spoke to them again in parables saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. And he sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused. Then he sent some more servants and said, tell those who have been invited that I've prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted calf have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants and mistreated them and killed them. And the king was enraged, and he sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burnt their city. And then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless, and the king told her, the, his attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are invited, but few are chosen. Not many amens in the house this morning. These three amazing parables, just the, the, give me a bit of context. Jesus has uh, recently had uh, his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. He's come, and you know the story, on the fall of a donkey, they went and found a donkey, and he came in, and the people started to cheer and rejoice and celebrate and say, Hosanna to the son of David, and lay palm trees in front of him. And it was this amazing moment. And, and as he came in from that, then he went into the temple, and he drove out all the money changers and the merchants who should never have been in the temple of God. And he made a whip, and he drove them out and overturned the tables and it was it was a bit feisty in church I mean, that's good isn't it and all of a sudden he's driven out and he says how dare you the lord says my house should be a house of prayer not a den of thieves and that's the context of it in and, and, and so people start to uh, question him and, and you find the leaders are going how dare he pretend to have authority and so they start to question his authority and say to him who do you think you are to have this authority and, and they ask him a question and, and he replies with a question that they are afraid to answer and so he doesn't even he doesn't even get into it but instead he tells them these three parables he begins to talk to the leaders of the people and starts to answer them with these three parables he's trying to say to them listen I need you to learn something I need you to take hold of something I need you to understand something about what it means to be in the kingdom of God and these three parables begin to speak about what it means to, to have a heart for the kingdom of God. Not about the, the rituals of the kingdom, but, but the heart of the kingdom. And I just want to kind of pull something out of each of them this morning briefly, just because I think they teach us something. And I don't know if I'll get through them all, because sometimes I get a bit excited by them. Um, but I'll try, because I just think there's, there's something for us to grasp here that Jesus is trying to impart to us. That about what God is looking for in the hearts of his people. And Jesus tells these parables to say to the Pharisees, actually, I don't see this in you. He's trying to expose something in them. You see, Jesus does that. Sometimes he exposes the stuff that's in us because he wants to change us. He wants to deal with us. He wants to, to work in us. And, and, and sometimes, if we're honest, that can be a bit uncomfortable, can't it? But the word comes into our lives because God wants to say something. And so I just want to have three points today to just try and make out of these, these parables. The first is this. A repentant heart is better than a complacent spirit. A repentant heart is better than a complacent spirit. There's this amazing analogy, this parable of the two sons. A man has two sons and he asks him to go and work in the vineyard. And he comes to the first one and he says to him, will you go and work in the vineyard, son? And the son goes, nah, 
We all know what that's like, don't we, parents? No, I don't want to do that. really don't want to do that. I'm not going to do it. No. We don't know why he said that. We don't know what was going on that he said no, but we just know the first one refused. But it says like this, he just said, no, I'm not going to do it. But as he went, he went on his way, and the father was left like every father going, frustrated. But it says, as he went, he changed his mind. He repented. And he went and did what his father had asked him to do. It doesn't say he even told the father, just as he went straight to the field. And I love that picture. Somebody who starts off with the wrong attitude, but brings, then recovers the right attitude. I don't know you, but I like that, because that can be me sometimes. How about you? And we find that he goes and finds a victory. And then the father comes to the, the other son and says to him, son, how would you go? And he says, oh, yeah, um, I will, sir. We all love to hear that, don't we? I get that all the time from my kids. Can you do dishes? I will, sir. They say, I, w- I will, sir. But then he doesn't bother doing it. What an interesting thing. What, what stark contrast these two things are. You see, the truth is, it, it, one is a repentant heart, one is a complacent heart. One, one is like, well, I want to say the right thing and keep the old man happy, but actually have no intention of doing it. One is, I'm prepared to be honest, no, I don't really want to do that, but actually conviction a bit later on tells me, you know what, I should do what the Father's asked me. I don't know about you, but I, I, I think that reflects a lot of how we follow Jesus. Hello. See, I think sometimes we'll say very quickly, yes, sir, no problem. But doing it, follow through, is a whole different thing. (laughs) See, it's a parable of the kingdom. If we're going to live in the kingdom, we have to learn what Jesus said. And he's talking to the religious leaders here. You know, if Jesus was telling this parable, he'd tell it in church. He'd say, you know what, I I need you to hear me. It's better to have a repentant heart that's still soft enough to respond than a complacent one that says, oh yeah, yeah, I know all about that, but then does nothing. See, could it be possible that that as people of God, we can say, oh yes, Lord, but do nothing? Could it be possible that that can become part of us? Could it be possible that, that the familiarity of being a son, the familiarity of being a daughter, can make it easy for us to say, oh yeah, Lord, I know I need to do that. Let's give a couple of examples. Yeah, Lord, I know I need to pray. I know I need to talk to you. I just don't. I, I know I need to forgive. I just don't. So I'll say that I will because I know you need to hear me say it. Have you ever found your kids say things that they think they, you want them to hear? You know, will you do that? Yes, Dad. No problem. When actually what they mean is, not a chance. But they think that if they say the right thing, you're going to be happy just with that. Friends, could it be possible that we're like that with God? Yes, Lord, I'll, I'll obey you in this instance of, of uh, honoring you and honoring your word. I'll, I'll obey you, Lord, no problem but we don't. Because what we want is, we want grace. We want God just to say, oh yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll cover that over again. See, sometimes the parables Jesus teach cause us to, to think twice, don't they? Have you ever noticed? He, he doesn't let us off quite so easily as we would let ourselves off. Hello. 
He sometimes says to us, no, I'm looking for people who are really going to take me seriously. I'm looking for something. Now, the interesting thing about both these sons is neither of their response is ideal. <laughs> See, I, I love that about Jesus. He deals with the reality of who we are. <laughs> he doesn't get consumed. It wouldn't be perfect if the son just went, oh, yes, daddy, and skipped to the field. See, in our ideal mind, that's how we all wanted to have. But the truth is, we know we're not ideal children. And so he tells the story. He says, listen, I'd much rather you were honest enough to say, oh, I don't want to do that, but then come round to my way of thinking and do it, then you would pretend to do it, but not do it. Kingdom living is about being sensitive. What's the difference? See, the difference to me is a repentant heart is about sensitivity to God. See, I think one of the biggest things that we need to learn in this day is sensitivity to God and his word. So that when God speaks, our response, even if it's clear and we say, I don't want to do that, and we're honest enough to say about it, there's a sensitivity in us that actually brings us back to the will of God, because that's what God's looking for. But, but complacency, the sense of self-satisfaction with ourselves, what it says is, well, I've said the right thing, it doesn't matter if I produce it. Saying, I don't really need to do it. And the problem with that, I think, is that we then become insensitive to who the Lord is. And we find it hard to have open communication with him. Anybody know what I'm talking about today? This, this, this two sons, you know, we, we can make much of it, but the truth is I just think the purpose of it is to say God is looking for a repentant heart. The Bible says that it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And so God works in our lives to bring us back to a repentant place where we can do what he calls us to do. You see, faith without deeds is dead. See, faith can say, well, yes, Lord, I'll, I'll do that. I will, sir. But if it doesn't translate into what we do, it's dead. So you can make a promise to the Lord. Yes, Lord, I'll do that. Yes, I'm going to give that gift, Lord, because you've told me to do it. But if we don't do it, then you know what? Our faith is dead. I forgive that person, Lord, because you tell me to do it. But if in our hearts we don't do it, then our faith is dead. This is what Jesus is saying to us. He's saying, look, I'm looking for kingdom people. And he's speaking to the Pharisees and he's saying to them, you know what? I see a lot of the, the latter son in you. I see a lot of mumbling. I see a lot of affirmation of words, but I don't see the deeds of repentance. See, because repentance has deeds. Don't we wish repentance just meant saying sorry and we could get away with it? Sometimes I come to God and I say, oh, I'm really sorry, Lord. I'll never do it again. He says, don't believe that for a minute. Because this is just being sorry. It's not repentance. I need, you, I need you to have a bit more. I need you to be honest with me, Dave. And so I want you to just understand this whole principle. Repentance, a repentant heart is better. Can I ask you today, come on, seriously, how is your heart with God? Are you complacent about your walk with God? It's a great word, isn't it? I don't use it very often. I had to think about this word, complacent, even look up the meaning of it. It means, are you self-satisfied? 
Now, we would never say that about our relationship with God. But the truth is, if we say to God, oh, yeah, 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 yes, Lord, I'll do that. Lord, I receive your love, but actually we don't look for his love in our lives. Hey, it's faith without deeds. It's complacency. Yes, Lord, I'll do this and honor you with my life. But actually, uh, we, don't, we, don't, we don't do it. It's complacency. It's us thinking, actually, we don't need to do what God tells us to do. We can just live on the grace of God. But friends, you know what? We can do that. Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Because what happens is your sensitivity to God diminishes and you're left without a real sense of him in your life. So we have to come to that place. Lord, I receive your love. Okay, Lord, I receive your love. How do I do that? Well, actually, in my life, I I actually act to do something with the love that you've put within me. A repentant heart is better than a complacent spirit. Secondly, and uh, interestingly, the fruit of the kingdom relies on connection with the king. The fruit of the kingdom relies on connection with the king. We have this amazing story. These stories are quite strange, I think. You know, kingdom stories, parables that Jesus is telling, trying to make the point. And in this point, he says that a king comes and he sows a vineyard, a landowner, and sets it up and puts walls around it and puts a wine press in it and plants a vineyard. And then he rents it out to people and says, look, this is what I've created for you. And in there, we see this whole uh, parable, this whole picture of the world that God's created and then put men and women into it and said, please live in it, enjoy it. But I look for something from you. See, the truth is God looks for something from his people, from all of creation. He doesn't just look at us and say, do what you like, guys. He says, no, I look for something from you. That's why the Lord would come and walk with Adam and Eve in the garden. He didn't have to do that. He looked for them. He wanted to enjoy friendship with them. He wanted to walk in the garden with them so they could know him and he could know them. And, and Jesus says, he tells this amazing story of, of, you know, we've read it, and the tenants come and say, hey, we're not going to listen to the messenger. And so they, they stone the messengers, they dismiss them, they send away. Eventually, he sends his son, which, which is talking about Jesus coming. And he sends his son, and they say, and it's an amazing verse, what they say, they say, this is the heir, uh, come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. So it's amazing to think that we can, we can think we can have the inheritance of God without the king without the son. And so what happens is uh, they kill the son, and so he says, what would they do? He said, well, he would kill them and throw them out. And then Jesus says this amazing thing to them. He says, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. And instantly in that moment, we get this picture of the vineyard. See, the vineyard was theirs. They were free to live in it. They were free to make a living from it. They were free to tell and do everything. But actually, they were connected to the king in it. And the king looked for a return from it. And when they ignored that connection, then actually they lost the right to enjoy the fruit of the kingdom. They couldn't even stay. They had to leave. They were put out. They were judged. And I want you to know, friends, that if you're going to produce the fruit of the kingdom, you have to rely on a connection to the king. You have to have that. You can't just pretend to, 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 to think that you can produce kingdom fruit without there being connection with you, without there being a two-way relationship with you, without there being a reliance and a looking to the king. And so when the king comes, we're ready to respond to him. See, we, we sing, we receive your love. Friends, some of us have to act by faith to receive the love of God. 
Some of us have to actually move ourselves. Some of us actually have to respond in our heart and in our spirit. What are we going to do to do that? Because actually, if the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out like a flood, he has to come upon people who are willing to take hold of him. I don't know about you, but we need, we need, we need a move of God, don't we? Every Sunday, I sit in the back and I think, God, I can't do this. I can't just do church today. I have, to, I, have to, I have to come and bring something to you. I need to sense your spirit upon us. Uh, there has to be something that is a spirit-to-spirit connection in me today. You know what? I'll do it if, if, if it doesn't happen. I'll do it dutifully and responsibly because that's what we do. But I cry out. Don't you ever cry out for the living God? God. There has to be more, Lord. I I need to understand more of you. God, I need to bring my life into line with you. And so therefore, I'm going to say, Lord, if I'm going to be fruitful, if I'm going to produce fruit of the kingdom, I need to have a connection with you, Lord. There's no point pretending, friends. There's no point pretending that we have that connection if we don't, because that doesn't lead to anything. It leads to barrenness. See, the fruit comes through connection with him. Jesus in John 15 said, I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. A cuts of every branch of me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Jesus said, listen, the only way you're going to bear fruit is in your connection with me. See, sometimes we want to bear fruit by ourselves, don't we? See, kingdom fruit I'm talking about. I'm not talking about being successful. You can do that. I'm talking about bringing forth the character and the purposes of God in your life. That comes from connection to the king. And it comes from walking with him and recognizing that apart from him, we can do nothing. See, it's, it's the antithesis of the world, of the I'm a self made person. See, see, that's the truth about it. There's a great verse here that's, <laughs> when Jesus says it, and, and it's just thrown in there quickly. It says, be given to a, a kingdom, uh, to a person who will bear its fruit. He who falls on this stone will be broken in pieces, but he who it falls on will be crushed. What an interesting verse. See, the Lord's saying, listen, we need to recognize that Jesus is the cornerstone of our lives and that we we fall to him and allow him to to wreck us oh don't like that do we allow him to to fill us allow him to just break apart our self-reliance see christianity is not about self-reliance christianity is not a self-help lifestyle christianity is a recognition that Christ is God and died for the sins of the world. And it's a humbling of ourselves before him. That's what he says. He who falls on this stone, he who comes to this stone in need, will be broken, but it's when they're broken that God can use them. And then he says this, he who the stone falls on will be crushed. He's talking about the judgment of God. We don't like that too much, do we? Let's brush over that bit. See, to produce fruit, we have to keep that connection. When Jesus is saying to the leaders of the, the, the Jews, have you really kept that connection alive? Or are you in the vineyard, tending the vine, 
but you don't even recognize that this whole vineyard is for the king. You think it's all about you. See, there's a tendency, friends, for if we're not careful to make religion about us. God will do this for me. God will do that for me. God will work this in me. If I trust him, if I sow this, he's going to give back this. We hear that all the time. Friends, the principle is in the natural world. If we sow, then we reap, for sure. But listen, it's not all about what we get. It's about who we are in Christ. If we fall on him, then we become broken. And we have to recognize that we are broken before God. I can compare myself to other people and come off well. Some people. But when I come and stand before the Lord, I have nothing to offer him. See, that's the truth. I I can't say to him, I'm a nice person. Because actually I know, deep down inside, there's a bit of me that's not very nice. Come on, some of you know that as well, don't you? I, 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 I can say I'm, I'm, I'm honest, and generally I am, but sometimes I tell a lie. It gets me out of trouble. Not now, obviously. I'm preaching. I wouldn't do it now. See, we can all pretend to be better than other people or anything, but when we stand before God, the only thing we can say is, hey, I'm broken. I'm broken. I know, I know I don't do what I, I don't even do the things that I want to do and I promise myself to do. I can't follow through on. God, I'm broken. I need you. See, that's the starting place for Christianity. All have sinned and fallen short of the standard of God. It's this parable, Jesus comes and he says, no, you need to recognize this fruit that you're trying to produce means nothing to the king. You need to stay connected to him. And if you don't stay connected to him, then the fruit that you, meet, that you produce will be worthless. Because it isn't of the kingdom. And then finally he comes to this third parable. This interesting parable of the wedding banquet. And you know, it's a big, uh, it's a big story. And there's lots we could go into. And uh, the, the, uh, <laughs> the detailed people will be cursing me for jumping straight through it. But you know the story, there's this bit of a background. What happened when there was a wedding feast in one of these ancient uh, Palestine venues is, is they would send a, a notification, a bit like a save the date card. They would send a save the date out. We're having a wedding feast. It's going to be on this day. You're invited. The whole village can come. It's going to be a celebration. And everybody would get excited. But then on the day itself, what would happen is they would start to cook and get ready and prepare. And then they would send messages out into the village saying, it's all ready, come on. And everybody would go and party and celebrate the bride and the groom. And Jesus tells this parable, and again, he's saying, listen, the Father has prepared a table for all those who will come. Everybody's invited. He says, but people begin to make excuses. Isn't it just like that today? I'm off to work. I've got to go and see family. I've got to do this. Yeah, I'd love to come, but, but actually, I, I just can't fit it in. And, and he's, all the people that he invited who were deserving, I love it, all of them decided not to come. And so he sends his servants out and he, he starts again to get, it says they got the good and the bad to his wedding. Aren't you glad the good and the bad get to come? It's just a little verse, isn't it? But it means so much. The good and the bad get to come to the banquet of the Lord. And it says and he brings them up and the wedding uh, feast was full. And as, the, as the, the king walks through the wedding It comes and he stops and he says to this guy, he says, when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man who was not wearing wedding clothes. 
he asked, how did you get in here, friends, without wedding clothes? And it says, the man was speechless. What a funny little verse. And then it says, and he said to his servants, throw him outside. What is that about? What is that about? You see, friends, everybody's invited to the presence of the king. But to come to the presence means we have to change. See, this man came into the presence of the king without even preparing for the wedding. He just walked in. And the king said to him, you know what? The people I wanted to come to this banquet haven't come. The people I invited secondly have come. But you're the only one who hasn't even bothered thinking about this wedding of my son. You've come without any clothes at all, the wedding clothes that you should have worn. And there's something in us that says, oh, it's a bit harsh, isn't it? Something in our culture that wants to just turn up pretty casual. But friends, this was an invitation to the king's wedding. And this guy hadn't changed himself at all to come. I want you to know, friends, if you want to experience the presence of the king, you have to change yourself. See, anybody can come, friends, but anybody who wants to enjoy his presence has to change. See, when you come before God, anybody can come, but the first thing he asks them is to repent, to change their hearts. See, you can't just walk in and say, well, here I am just as I am, and uh, I'm not going to change. You have to accept me. The king doesn't have to accept anybody, friends. He doesn't. He's under no pressure to accept anybody. None of us can stand before God and say, you have to let me into your presence. Friends, the truth is none of us would dare. What we have to do is change. See, we know that, don't we? Even I put a suit on when I go to a wedding. Take it off as soon as I can, but I, I, I keep it on for the duration. Why? Because we all know there's an expectation. Yet some of us think we can come to God and just, just be, well, I'm not going to change. Some of us think we can be the servants of God and actually we don't have to change our behavior or our attitudes or how we treat people or what we say. We think we can just come and just say, oh, it's all about grace. I can just be who I am. Jesus comes, the king comes to this man and says, I'm sorry, you're welcome to come, but you have to change your clothes. We don't like that, do we? But the New Testament says to us, clothe yourselves in the righteousness of Christ. See, if you want to become into the presence of the king, you have to clothe yourselves in the robes of righteousness. You have to say, you know what, God? I realize that I am unworthy to be in your presence. Therefore, I'm coming with a sense of, Lord, I need you to cover my life. It's one of those things, friends. It's, it's a non-negotiable of the king. You know, the rich man came to him and said, what must I do to have eternal life? And he says, you need to keep the commandments. He says, I've done all of that. In other words, I'm looking pretty good. And then Jesus said to him, actually, you know what? You need to deal with your attitude towards your money. You need, you need to change that. And it says that this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. In other words, he wouldn't change his clothes, friends. He wouldn't change his clothes. And here's the truth, friends. Some of us are here this morning, and there's some of our clothes we need to change. And we need to say, you know what, God, I need you. Thank you for welcoming me in, Lord, but I'll change. I'll repent of this. I'll deal with this.
Because here's the truth, friends. When Jesus says to us, how did you get here? It says the man was speechless. He had nothing to say because he knew he had no right to be there in the clothes he was in. It's amazing, isn't it? These little three parables. Then Jesus says this, for many are called, but few are chosen. What an amazing verse. He's saying, look, people are invited to come. But actually the ones who come, the ones who are chosen are the ones who change. The ones who respond. Three words that sum up these three parables. Repentance, relationship, responsiveness. That we would have a repentant heart before God. That we would be willing to say, you know what, Lord, I... I said, no, Lord, but really I'm here, Lord. I said, I couldn't do it, Lord, but actually I do it because I know that I can't be complacent anymore. That we would have this strong relationship that bears fruit. Lord, that we're just in the vine, abiding with him. Whatever that means for us. You know, we can talk about that if you need help with that. But you know, you need to stay connected to God. And then thirdly, a response. He invites us to his wedding banquet but we need to change to come before him. Let's pray. Very simple this morning. I'm sure there's much more we could say from these passages, but I just wanted to pull these little themes out today. Just bow our heads. You know, this morning it could be that you're here and you're not yet a follower of Jesus. Well, these parables are for you. There's a place for you as a son or a daughter. And you come into his presence with a repentant heart. There's a relationship for you that you can know God and know his son, Jesus Christ, who died for you to make a way. But it needs a response from you. Willingness to say, hey, you know what? I need to change if I'm going to come to this banquet with the Lord. I need to bring a change in my heart. If you're not a believer this morning, not yet a follower of Jesus, then I just want you to think about these three parables.